0: hello hello my friends just another reminder that this episode today is actually part two of a two-part interview series with denise conway so if you missed last week's episode part one of this series which was about prolapse and surgical options and pros and cons amazing interview please do uh listen to that one if not pausing this right now and listening to it first maybe you can go back and listen to it right after you're done with this one so you don't miss a beat it is a great set of interviews Denise has so much wisdom to share and I will encourage you to please check the uh, show notes for links to all sorts of things ways to get in touch with Denise and also more information about the next steps for me the next projects I'm working on as well so without further ado let's get to the show Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We had Denise Conway on last week. And so if you missed part one of our interview series, please go back and watch it. We talked about pros and cons of surgery for prolapse and some other things that you might want to try first instead, or at least look at first instead. So that was our first interview. And this is part two. We are going to really hone in on pelvic pain and tension today, which I know is kind of a pet pet love of Denise's, and it also is of mine, because we both see so much of this in the women that we, um, that we work with and connect with. So pelvic pain intention, what to know, and how to help. So Denise, if you want to just kind of take it away, launch in with however you want to start, we could talk about this forever, I'm sure. So, yeah. We definitely
1: could. I mean, it's such a, pain is such a complex subject. Now, when it comes to pelvic pain, I mean, there's, you've, got, you've got the three main kind of centers there in the pelvis. You have your urinary function, your sexual function, and your your defecation. So the, you know, the, the, and those, the, everything is very close together and there's just so many nerves. Because that's the area where we have all our, of course, our wonderful orgasmic sensations come from there as well. It's when anything goes wrong down there, it can, I mean, it can really knock everything out of kilter. Um, and pelvic pain, it's something that I, I mean, I've experienced in my, in my own life and I, many of the people that uh, come on the platform or, or, you know, watch my YouTube channel, um, send me messages asking, how can I, how can I deal with this? What can I do here? And I, I you know, I didn't, I didn't realize what a, what a massive issue it was. Now, one of the. Uh, one of the things that I have been, been doing a lot, I, I, I did have overactive bladder following my mesh removal, as well as as well as all the other things. And that was accompanied by pelvic pain and, and different things. Um, and in my research for overactive bladder and for trying to kind of get a grip on overactive bladder, that's when I started to look at pain science. Um, now, very often the people that have um, pelvic pain so chronic pelvic pain or overactive bladder they've been to all the specialists and nobody can find anything wrong it's just that there's extreme pain and it's debilitating you know it's difficult to to do anything when you have that level of pain going on and, and in such a sensitive area so how to get around it and and this is where um look at, starting to look into the latest research in pain science um what 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 is is very evident is that the what you think about your pain has a huge bearing on how that pain um feels and how it manifests now
0: that I doesn't say that mean... one more time one more time what you think about your pain has a huge bearing on how it manifests
1: yeah so if you believe if that that you that the cause of your pain is something sinister the mm-hmm. pain will be worse yep. than if you believe that it's it's not so yep. if you you know if you think uh let let's say uh, you think that your pain is because God forbid it's cancer or something, you know, there's something terrible going on down there. That's what's causing my pain. Then um, that's going to have a huge impact on how you feel every day and how you move and how you think. Um, if you think that the pain is because you pulled a muscle and the muscle's going to heal in a couple of weeks, you're less likely to, to have a, like a an, ex, an extreme reaction. Now, The challenge is that you can't just decide if, oh, well, I was thinking it was something sinister, but I'm just going to change my mind now and think that it's not. It's not just going to go away. Uh, You know, it doesn't just disappear because you've changed your mind. It actually takes time and it takes... that we ha- what we have to do is look at that unity that is your body and look at how that unity functions. Now we talked in the last um, mm-hmm. in the, on the last web uh, podcast about how um, your your brain is the, C- the CEO and your your spinal column is the VP of operations, and then you have your your tendon organs, which are like little department managers, which are putting muscles to work or taking them out of work, and and in this whole system where where you know the, there there's there is the, the Golgi tendon organs are managing basically which muscles are, are going to work and which ones are not going to work. So they're they're, they're basically managing the local business of uh, of movement. But also um, they're, they're they're also playing a role along with some some other organs in pr- protecting protecting. So they'll add protective tone where they believe it's needed. So your nervous system might send a message to say there's danger in that area and there will be protective tone to protect that danger. And that protective tone is going to be tightness and that tightness and that tension is going to probably be accompanied by pain.
0: Yeah. And I want to reinforce that because folks who do have pain, it's so important to know that your body's just doing the best it can to protect you. It thinks that there's danger. And so it does, it gives you that red light reflex, which um, I've talked about a little bit in the past where, you know, you're, it's like, ah, stop. And so oftentimes you'll feel kind of a, a sense of a lifting of your pelvic floor, a pulling in of your anus, a pulling in of your abdominals. It's like a pulling inward your head can go forward everything goes forward and that is those Golgi tendon Golgi tendon organs and that ceo you know the whole nervous system response that you're talking about it's just our body trying to help and so i just wanted to reinforce that again just to know that our bodies are doing the best we can but sometimes they do a little bit too much they go a little too far don't they
1: yeah, but the thing is, imagine it's a business. So in the business of your body's movement, your your muscles are your employees, and these little department managers are saying, okay, that employee's out sick, or, or there's a little bit of danger over there, we're gonna make these other employees work a little harder. But the thing is, nobody tells them then that it's that employee's okay, they can come back to work now. Uh-huh. So on, unless you actually do something to show your nervous system that there is safety there, it's not going to know that there's safety there. So this is what we talked a little about patterns in the last, uh, in the last episode. Uh, let's say that you, um, you, you t- sprain your ankle. So you sprain your ankle, some of the muscles are going to be out of work, there's going to be a bit of swelling. When the tissues have all healed, you might still have a limp. Unless you show your nervous system that it's okay to walk again, that it's okay to put all these muscles back to work, your nervous system isn't going to know it's okay to take that movement. Or if you hurt your shoulder and you're unable to reach your arm up over your head, when the shoulder heals, if you don't show your nervous system that you can make that movement again, and if you don't tell them, tell the nervous system that it's safe, it's not going to know that it can go there.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so how do with- you... How do you recommend? Is this is this a pattern of um, of How do you recommend relearning?
1: So, so one of the, the I always start with relaxation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, it is it is an issue with tension. So very often, where you have chronic pain, you have chronic tension. So you have muscles that have been they're they're being put under immense load and when it's in the pelvic floor it's particularly difficult so if if you think about when you're walking um, every time you put your foot down there's a ground reaction force that comes up through your leg now the, the muscles in your leg need to balance the the load of that tension as it moves through your leg and up towards your pelvic floor and then there's also kind of the tension that's kind of coming down a little so the pressures when you're in your intra-abdominal cavity when you're moving If there's tightness, then that can have a a greater impact. And what we need to do is get everything to relax. So I, I always start with the yoga nidra, with the body scanning meditation. So lying out flat, relaxing, and feeling around the body to try and find where there's tension. Breathing in such a way that you can tap into your uh, parasympathetic nervous system is the next thing that I would do. So when you breathe, and this is, it's a very simple exercise, but it's very, very useful. When you inhale for the count of four and exhale for the count of eight, you extend the breath. You are um, basically telling your nervous system that things are okay. You're, you're tricking the body into moving more into the rest and digest mm-hmm. and this is helping to calm things down mm-hmm. so when you feel the pain um the breathing exercise of um you know i always do 10 calming breath cycles so inhale for four exhale for eight inhale for four exhale for eight and nice and slow. And the whole time just trying to let go, trying to relax and remembering safety. I mean, remembering that there's nothing sinister in the area. It's really important.
0: Yeah. And it's it's true because we do need to harness that calming as much as possible because we are thinking about this area of our body, the pelvic area, which does, I mean, the survival of the species depends on reproduction and all of these things that are housed in this area. And so even if it's not something top of our mind, even if we're not even sexually active, it's still just human nature to be very protective of this area. We are very aware of this area because it is our way to reproduce. It's our way to, you know, again, like you said earlier, defecate, urinate. I mean, there's so much important stuff happens in this area. So of course there's going to be that fear. So calming as much as we can is a great first step. And I have to ask you for your four counts in and and eight counts out, do you recommend people do this through their nose or do you recommend? Yeah.
1: The nose is for breathing.
0: (laughs) The nose is for breathing. Exactly. Now I will say I I completely agree. And I I train, I teach that as well, but I have done an exhalation that's longer through a kind of pursed, not really strongly pursed lips, but almost like you're blowing through a straw. And I found that to be calming as well. But I was curious, I know that there is research that shows that it's most calming to go in and out through your nose though, is that correct? Yeah, but the thing is, there's there's actually lots of different breathing exercises. And and in the book, I cover multiple exercises
1: because there's also different reasons why you want to do the breathing exercises. We we did talk in the last um, video about the relationship between the diaphragm and the pelvic floor uh, and how you want the diaphragm and the pelvic floor to move together. Well, there are there are different. So there's a couple of different ways that you breathe. So there's the the natural breath, which is where you inhale and your body basically exhales automatically. And that happens naturally without you Putting any effort, but on the inhalation, there are certain muscles that that work, and on the exhalation, there's no muscles. It's just everything is just relaxing. And then there's the forced breath, where you actually, you know, when you when you're doing anything a little bit strenuous, you're going to take for like you're going to take as much air in as you need, and then you're using muscles for that. And also when you're exhaling, that you're exhaling there, you can you can use your muscles. But depending on the pattern of your breathing, um, if let's say that you're breathing uh at the top you're just using the muscles at the top of your chest or some people even i've seen use their shoulders to breathe mm-hmm. you know they're they're using the, the scalenes and you know they're just lifting the 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 top of the chest so the diaphragm isn't moving and if the diaphragm isn't moving the pelvic floor isn't moving yeah. and the tension won't move if yeah. there's no movement in there mm-hmm. so There are breathing exercises you can do to train um, the diaphragm to move more. And you you mentioned there is a straw. The reason the straw is effective is because it it basically increases the amount of pressure that you need
0: to produce Mm. to get the air out. Yeah. Now... So in a way, that would be almost a way of almost exercising your diaphragm, providing a little bit of resistance training, like weight training for your diaphragm, just providing a little resistance to blow through to get that movement trained in. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, exactly. And you can use a balloon for the same reason. Yeah. Um,
1: And also when, you know, you can do, you can also do it where you actually, um, Collapse the chest so where, so where you slouch forward and you take you're taking then uh, the shoulder and all of these these um upper chest muscles out of the equation when you do that and your diaphragm has to work harder in that position.
0: Oh, and I've if never you, tried that one. I've tried a lot of breath techniques but I've never tried that one. I'm gonna do it now while you're talking. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, it, what you, the thing
1: is, if your diaphragm works when you slouch down like this, you're not gonna feel like oh my god, I can't breathe. But if you're oh. if you're usually using these muscles, like if, if you usually like breathing just in the top part of your lungs yeah. and do this, it's much harder because the diaphragm isn't, you know, it's not used to moving enough. So that can be oh, that's a good an excellent way.
0: technique. I've never done that before. And I will, I'm proud to say my diaphragm does work well. So I was able to breathe well when I was in that hunched forward position, but I can imagine that would feel if you're used to breathing with your upper chest and your neck and shoulder muscles, that would be almost scary to be in that position. You think, Oh my gosh, I can't breathe. So I recommend everyone try that to get just a sense of how well their diaphragm is contributing to their, their breathing. Yeah, just a hunch forward and a rounding as you as you breathe. Fascinating. Thank you.
1: Yeah. The other thing that I think is really important to say now when we're talking about, about pain and about health is that your your nervous system and your brain learns pain and learns that the pain can be there and learns that how it feels. And if you don't remember because you, you the thing is that you when you learn something your neuroplasticity your brain creates a pathway for for pretty much everything that you learn and it can learn pain and it can just default to pain all the time unless you remind it of the like the, the sensation and the feeling of not pain so one of the things that i do with all um pain patients that i work with is get them to remember how it was to not have any pain and to, not just to remember it in the mind, but this is where the mind to muscle connection comes in to try to feel in the body, that sensation of there's no longer pain there. And you know, the, the biggest barrier always when you try to do this is that pain is very real and it's very sore and it can be hard to think that I am going to be able to do this with my mind and to kind of, Move the pain out of the way. Um, but you can do it. I've done it. It's. I mean, it is. It is. It is possible to do.
0: So, can um, you walk us through this a little bit more? I want to dive deeper into this. It. It reminds me a little bit of almost um, visualization, like almost like mindset work, or even like manifestation work for those who are into that world, which I love. And uh, visualization. Well, what comes to my mind is that classic example of the basketball players who would visualize Making the baskets even though they weren't actually doing the workouts They were visualizing making the baskets and then studies showed that they came back and they were able to do really well With their free throws because they'd visualized it over and over and even if they hadn't been able to practice So is it kind of the same idea where you're feeling the feeling of no pain? You're visualizing how it was you're taking yourself back. Can you I mean the thing is your brain doesn't know uh, the difference between
1: what you're thinking and what's what's real it yeah. doesn't know that 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 a thought is just a, an idea you have in your head and not something that's physically manifesting i mean it's the, the brain can't tell the difference between you having a bad thought and something bad happening at the minute you know yeah. it's, it's, it, it can't tell and and it does have i mean you have all these memories you have to take advantage of them i, I did this with incontinent so I was very incontinent I mean it was awful when they took the mesh away I couldn't I mean it was I couldn't hold my bladder at all you know I would just everything all the urine just fell out every time I moved it was it was a really horrendous thing and I, I realized along the way that I needed to remember continents because my body wasn't giving me the opportunity to to feel it or to sense it or to, or to see it. It just wasn't a reality for me, but it had been in the past. And I thought, well, I have to try and harness the fact that I know continents. I've been there before. I've had this before. So I have to take that. And it was the same with pain. Um, And it doesn't just, I mean, this doesn't just work for pelvic pain. You can also use it for pain in other parts of your body. But when you have pain, one of the things that you can do is, again, you have to find a very calm place. You can do the 10 calming breaths, relax your whole body, close your eyes, and where you feel the pain, try to, in your mind, find the memory of how it was to be there without the pain.
0: So you'd almost take yourself back to a time. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And and take the sensation because you can
1: remember the sensation of there not being pain there. And you have to try to almost swap the sensation. So the the sensation of feeling pain in that area with this now it's it is harder to do let's say if the pain is in the center of your pelvis and you're trying to replace the pain in the center of your pelvis with the memory of there's no pain in the center of my pelvis but if you have the pain on the left side for example then what you can do is focus on the right side where there's no pain and bring that sensation to the opposite side so it is easier to do when you've got uh, when you have pain on one side than when you have it right down the middle shall mm-hmm. we say but but it is so that I mean, that's a that's a practice that can help and the, the remembrance that, um, that things are safe. So that's that's you know, there's no danger there. If you keep telling yourself that there is no danger in the area, you know, that you're trying to all you're trying to do is find a way to communicate to your nervous system to get through to the nervous system and let the nervous system see that the danger has gone.
0: Yeah. Turn off that red light reflex. I love that. So to to recap so far, we've discussed um, the deep breathing, the 10 deep breaths with the longer exhales versus the inhale. So the exhalations are longer. Talked about the yoga nidra with the body scan where you're feeling into those areas of tension and doing that deep breathing. Um, We've talked about this remembrance of the times when there, or the sensation, I should say, of there being no pain. Um, gosh, what else am I missing? I, I think those are the main things we've talked about yeah, so far. Yeah,
1: that's covered. And another thing that you can do. Um, so a lot of the work there's there a lot goes into kind of looking at at what traumas have been there. Now, very often, uh, if you have, I mean, if you've suffered abuse or um, or severe injury or some sort of a trauma in an area, then that. Um, in yoga, we say that you have issues in your tissues. So if you've been through a trauma, the trauma remains in the tissues and there is a little bit of work involved in in letting it go. And a lot, a lot of yoga actually is in trying to relax and let go of tension that you've carried around in a specific area for a long time. So it can be good to work through those issues with a the therapist if there is something around that area. Um, the, the other thing that you can do is actually write out um, your write your pain. So describe your pain, write it all out, and then um, look at the words that you've used and change the wording. So um, you can change the word pain to discomfort. You can change like searing to uh, some something else like um, tingling. You know, you can just take different words and use different words to describe your pain, because that also is another way of communicating to your brain that it's not, um, it, that it's not danger, that there is safety there, and, and the difference that it makes when. First and foremost, you, you should always get checked if you have pain. And But once you've been to all the specialists and none they're all telling you there's nothing there, there's nothing wrong, then you know that there's no pathology. You know that the tissues are okay, the tissues are intact, everything, let's say physiologically is okay, but the nervous system doesn't know that yet. So yeah. all we're trying to do is to find a way to show the nervous system that actually everything's okay here.
0: And I like what you just said about the wording. What came to my mind was this almost stepwise process where if we try to go from these big pain words and these big pain feelings to, oh, there's no pain, that might be a big leap. But if you almost take a stepwise approach to stepping it down a notch versus kind of like with affirmations. So let's just take this to the mindset world. Say, I want to be a quadzillionaire or I want to be a whatever, like some huge number. I I am a billionaire. That's a pretty big leap. But if you're trying to just take it a step up, if you're wanting to manifest wealth, maybe, maybe you say, well, you know what? I, I made $10,000 this year or whatever, whatever. We take a very stepwise approach toward that bigger goal so that we, it's still a stretch perhaps, but we can believe it. And so that's kind of what I'm hearing from you with your pain words, rather than going from big pain words to zero pain, we're taking it just down a little notch, to maybe instead of searing, it's tingling. And then maybe soon, once you are feeling that in your body and believing that word more, you can take it to just maybe warmth, or maybe um, you just some some words that are a little gentler. So gentler and gentler and gentler, rather than going from the pain you're in to no pain. Yeah.
1: And another very important way to communicate with the nervous system is through movement. So when we have pain, we don't want to move. But actually, if you don't move, into the pain a little, then you don't show the nervous system that it's okay to move
0: into the pain a little. Yeah. Again, so, that stepwise approach. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say one one more thing about that is that you talked, you talked about how it's a very emotional area, the pelvis in particular, the shoulder girdle and the pelvic girdle. It's where we store all of our tension. You'd spoken about yoga and how we, or I guess maybe it was my brain that just went here, but how sometimes... People in our yoga classes may experience a release of emotion in the yoga class from doing certain stretches and movements. And I actually had never experienced that in yoga, but I did experience it in a very uh, slow, sensual movement class that I took within the last couple of months. I had, I absolutely broke down, and I've never experienced anything so profound. So it was the concept of this very slow, very small, tiny movements, but something about that just went straight to my emotional center right there. And I think that's kind of what you're speaking to a little bit as well. This sort of, it doesn't have to be a big movement or a big stretch. It can be very small and it can wake things up and speak to you in a different way. Yeah.
1: I, I, you know, I, I'm a I'm a yoga teacher. In yeah. my classes, there's always at least one person that has um, an emotional release in the class, and and I personally have had multiple, multiple in multiple different classes. I've had emotional releases, and it always takes me by surprise yeah. because very often you're not you're not thinking about anything, but it's just because you're allowing your body to kind of relax into, and maybe some little employees that hadn't been at work or. <laughs> But back to work or they're getting a little stretch and all of a sudden your nervous system is like oh we can let go of this now and out come the tears and even the sh- i mean the body sometimes shakes like there's it's quite uh, it's quite interesting uh, the I, I mean we don't know there's just so much we don't know about the body yet and and when you're talking to all these different specialists you have to remember that 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 there's so much still to find out about how everything interacts and how everything works. And when you're taking the investigation into your own body and working on your own journey of empowerment, you, you you know, you should do that with curiosity and you should do that just trying to see and feel, well, how can you know, how can I get maybe a little bit more control over things while at the same time completely letting go? Because, you know, we really don't have any control at the end of the day. That's kind of what it boils down to. There is no control, so you have to let go. But you can change, but you can, I mean, the way that you um, think about your pain can dramatically change the way that the pain manifests in your body because your thoughts are directly communicating with your nervous system all the
0: time. Absolutely and so I love just to kind of go back to the beginning the way to strip this all back to the basics is to go back to the breath Yes, and just Calm it all down because that's the only way we can really tune in is when we're in a calm state when we're in that blank slate Where we don't have the sympathetic? "Ah!" You know like that kind of clouding our judgment the calm state is important so that we can do this investigative Work so yeah Amazing. Denise, thank you so much. I'm going to be sure to put links to your website, The Flower Empowered. It's theflowerempowered.com, correct? Okay. And then tell us a little bit more. Uh, Links will be to everything in the notes below the podcast and or YouTube video, however however you're viewing this. Uh, But can you tell us briefly a little more about your book?
1: Yeah, so the, the book, um, I decided to write the book following my my own journey because when, when I came back to Sweden after having the mesh removed from, from my body and I was completely incontinent, I had no support and I had nobody to talk to and I had overactive bladder, I had pain, I had just this constant leaking, I was getting tighter and more tense and I was in it, it was it was a really bad, a really bad place to be. And and I had to empower myself. I had to I, I realized that either my life was was ending and you know things were going to just go downhill and I was going to deteriorate, or I was going to somehow manage to take control of this and, and move away from that. And I learned so much in my own journey of empowerment, my own investigation into my body. And and I realized that. I'm not alone. I mean, I, I felt very, very alone, but I'm not. There are one in every three women will have problems with their pelvic floor. One in every ten men. I mean, I get almost as many inquiries from men as I do from women. We need to we, we need to break the taboo surrounding pelvic floor dysfunction. I was alone because nobody talked about these things and I wasn't able to talk about them initially and then I realized if I can't talk about them then that means that nobody else can talk about them so even though it was embarrassing I said I'm going to stand up and I'm going to talk about everything that I have been through and together we can and will make a difference. This is, I mean, I say this at the end of all my YouTube videos. I think that when we come together, things will change. And if everybody changes their mind about how they view incontinence, pelvic organ prolapse, you know, sexual dysfunction, any of these issues, then we can uh, collectively, globally, change the way we approach these things and help people so that they don't have to suffer in silence.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Oh my gosh. So inspiring. I just want everyone to please, you know, look at the links, check out Denise's information and site and book and all of the things. Um, and I want to give you a big thanks from the bottom of my heart for being here and for doing this great work in the world. You and I are both on a mission to make change happen. And this is really important stuff. I think people, some people may not realize it. Why, why are these people all talking about pelvic health? But it's so important. I mean, we, our bodies, our physical us, we are so important, you know? We are all what make up the world and this part of our body is so huge. It's so huge emotionally, physically, on every level. So really, this actually is where it's all at, right here. I am firmly convinced.
1: (laughs) Your quality of life is very, very much connected to that part of your body. Yes, yes. You know, it, it, it can stop you from moving, socializing, doing things we need to get people um, moving if they've stopped. Yeah, you know, we, need exactly. to, to, uh, we, together, we all have to come together. And you, uh, Dr. Bree, actually played a, an important role in my journey as well, because I actually was watching your YouTube channel when I was sitting at home crying in, in a puddle, basically. So so you played a very important role in my journey too. So what well, you okay. do is amazing and keep doing it. I yes. think we, we need a, a million more people doing this uh, in order to get to all, the, all the, the ears that need to hear it, the eyes that need to see it.
0: I agree. And I have no qualms in supporting any woman and or man who's on a mission to raise awareness and to do their great work about pelvic health because there's certainly no shortage of clients for everybody to <laughs> have and to, to work with me and you and all the other wonderful people who are doing this great work because yeah, like you said, one in three women, you know, will experience the the bladder leakage. And there's so many statistics like that, prolapse, the pelvic pain, all of these things. This is a huge thing. We're talking billions and billions of people. Well, thank you again, Denise. And thanks everyone who's been tuning in. And um, definitely remember, as always, my friends, eat clean, move every day, and you will shine brighter. And don't forget to check those show notes. All right. Thanks, Denise. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the entire show. If you loved this episode, please share it with a friend, let her know how it helped you and what you learned and why she might like it too. And if you would like a free downloadable video portfolio that includes the inner core energizer routine that's found in my book, lady bits, plus the first seven days of my ab camp series. Simply leave a review of this podcast on iTunes and then send a screenshot of of your review to me, Brianne, at femfusionfitness.com. Again, that's Brianne at femfusionfitness.com. I will personally get back to you with your free downloadable video portfolio. I will see you next time. And remember, you don't have to be an expert, but every woman should know a bit.